White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughters. Holy cow. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yeah. It's a perfect game. Red Echo. Grand Slam. And the White Sox have won the World Series. Jimenez. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. And now it's time for the official, unofficial White Sox postgame show with Locked On White Sox. Here are your hosts, Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Hello and welcome to White Sox postgame, unofficial official White Sox postgame. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can usually follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. And our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Wow, what a great, great thing. If you usually want to leave us a voice message, it's 312-566-8727. But for today, while we're on the score, the number to call in, 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. Chris Tannehill. How in the hell are you doing? Oh, you know how I'm doing. Man, what a great night for baseball on the south side. The White Sox win 12-6. to They force a game four tomorrow afternoon on the south side. And we are broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. You may wondering, you may be wondering to yourself, who are we? Who are these guys on here talking about the White Sox? Mm. I don't hear these guys ever on the weekends or ever, really. Uh, I'm Chris Tanhill. I produce the Parkinson Spiegel Show. This is my partner, Herb Lawrence, executive producer of the Lawrence Home Show on 6-7 The Score. And together, we do the Locked on White Sox podcasts. And we cover the Sox five days a week on the Locked on Podcast Network. We've been doing it all season long. You may have heard mm-hmm. us contribute all year th- throughout, you know, here on the score and on our shows. But we're here tonight uh, for the first time on the score doing a recap of White Sox postseason baseball. And, and what a night to be talking about it as well. This is one of the crazier games that I can remember. And, and then you add on top of it that it was a, a postseason game. You know, you had 42,000 plus checking out the first postseason game on the South Side in 13 years. Mm-hmm. And boy, they they saw a wild one here tonight, a roller coaster type game tonight. Uh, I don't even know where to begin other than the White Sox win, print the banner, line up the parade, Michigan Avenue on the Dutch Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. I was wondering where Bill was. I was I was wondering if he was hanging out back there. But thankfully, Bill Walden is here. That's I mean, one. doesn't he and um, Jim Tomey share room in your basement when you're doing the podcast? So we let them out. Yes. We let them into the Score Studios downtown Chicago. <laughs> they snuck in here. They heard I bought pizza for everyone. Um, you can text us also here on the Tech Zone, which is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. That's also at 312-644-6767. If you're leaving the game, give us a call. If you are the guy in the old-timey 1919 White Sox uniform, give us a call. If you're the guy with the voodoo walking stick, give us a call. 100% that guy. If <laughs> yeah. you know that guy, call him up and say the Locked On White Sox post-game show on 670 to score wants to speak to him tonight. 
We've already got a backstory for him. We think he's a 30-year veteran of CPD. He's been retired for the last 20 years. He likes bowler sausages. Oh, who doesn't? A little, a little sauerkraut on his bowler sausage. Yeah, if you're a voodoo walking stick guy, you get first in line. Like, you know, uh, Henry Hill and Goodfellas right through the back of the kitchen here. We got a table for you right up front. He's going to tell all his family. He's like, yeah, I, I, got, I struck him out. That's my stick. I struck him out, eh? If you want to email the show, we're at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Our wonderful producers tonight, Sean Anderson and Cesar Perez, if I can channel my inner John Miller here, uh, helping us out, doing a great job tonight. All right, where do we begin here, Herb? I mean, I cannot get enough of the, the great job this bullpen did today. You know, Dylan sees. we always begin on our show talking about the man on the mound, and there were several men on the mound mm. here tonight. You know, unfortunately for Dylan Cease, it was the shortest outing of his big league career. He only goes an inning and two-third, two hits, three runs, and three walks. He could not locate that fastball at all in the second inning. He was pretty amped up in the first, and we thought uh, this would be his night, but it was not the case. But uh, a cast of uh, characters come on in tonight, and they close the game out with 16 uh, consecutive retired for the White Sox bullpen. Uh, Just a wonderful job by those guys tonight before we get to the offense. Yeah, Dylan Cease, I think the most of his problem, firstly, is the long layoff he had from the top of the first to the top of the second. The White Sox, of course, only scored one run in the bottom of the first, but it had a long layoff there for Dylan Cease. Came out amped. Came out the one one hundred one. That's the hardest I've seen him throw this year. And he was looking good in the first inning. And then he had a pitch, and this is part of the thing. I know you White Sox fans saw it. Tom Hellion, the home plate umpire. I come in here with Chris Tannehill and Sean Anderson. We're watching the game. I was like, oh, yeah, veteran umpire Tom Hellion behind the plate. We're going to get a good strike zone. <laughs> Old Tom had a rough night out there. No, nope, sir. In a lot of ways, really. No, sir. Um, Dylan C. struck out. I forgot the batter. It was a high curveball or changeup, and Tom didn't give him the call. And then from then on. In the, in the second inning. I yeah. think you're talking about Alvarez there, I think. Yeah. yeah. From then on, Dylan just didn't have it. He was walking the yard, giving up hard contact. It was over. I am so proud of this team, the bullpen. I, even Michael Kopech, who gave up three yards himself on a rocket home run or two. Um, um, who was that? The Tucker who hit that home run off him? Yeah. They- like, I'm so proud of the bullpen going and shoving tonight. Shoving. Versus a team that doesn't strike out that much. I think in the uh, broadcast said the White Sox have the highest percentage of strikeouts and the Astros have the lowest percentage of strikeouts on the offense. And they struck out six guys in a row and 16 guys in a row went down for the Astros at the, to end the game. That's dominance. Really an amazing job. And before we get to the rest of those guys, back to Cease here. You know, I wonder how much of it was emotion. I wonder how much of it was he saw the erratic strike zone by Tom Hallion in the, in the first inning go for both sides, really. It was it was not great for both sides, and eventually that zone tightened up. But I wonder if he was really trying to spot that fastball on the outside edge where that pitch was getting called for a strike. And I'm wondering if, if all of a sudden the change in the game plan there by Tom Hallion threw Dylan Cease for a loop because he's been really good. And a lot of people are pushing back online and people saying, oh, Dylan Cease should have never gotten the ball to start that game. I don't believe that. He's no. done a great job uh, pretty much all season here. He's earned that spot. And at, at the very least, it was not a great night for him, but at least he's got that postseason experience now going forward. And if you are fortunate enough to get to a game five, you could possibly see Dylan Cease out there in an all-hands-on-deck scenario for a couple innings. But we won't worry about that game. They still have to win tomorrow's game here. But uh, back to this bullpen here. Um, Michael Kopech comes in, and the, the discussion during the game, 
uh, Ethan Katz told Tom Ferducci that Kopech could go up to five innings, and AJ asked the question that we all were asking at the end of Game 2, why not do that in Game 2? Why not throw Michael Kopech for two innings after Giolito? But, but you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But Kopech did a nice job stabilizing things for a bit. I, I know, you know, he, he also had some control issues there, but that was a big spot for a young kid like that who – I don't think any of us pegged that being the first scenario that we were going to see him in this postseason uh, much earlier than we thought he was going to get in there today. But I think he did a really nice job coming in after Dylan Cease and, and calming things down a bit. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, two innings gave a got you to the end of the fourth, into the fifth inning. We pretty much played the game out ourselves. We like Kopech. Yeah, they're wanting five innings out of him. That's a lot. He hasn't done that I think since May. Get us to the fifth. And we'll work it out otherwise. But, yeah, three earned runs, that home run by Tucker. We don't have a scouting report on on Tucker. That man is amazing. Just awesome player. And I'm glad that we finally found a way to get him out late in the game. But, man, just an awesome job by Michael Kopech to come in and settle everything down while the team took over offensively and got us to the fifth inning. And then your man. My guy. Your guy. My guy. Tempura. Ryan Tapera comes in. And this is going to be one of the unsung heroes of the season. And if they're fortunate enough to go on here, this performance by Ryan Tapera tonight was absolutely outstanding. He hadn't pitched an, an outing of two innings plus uh, since June. He only did it three times all season. But Ryan Tapera was flat out outstanding tonight. He pitches two innings, three strikeouts, n- no hits for Ryan Tapera. And I, they don't win this game without, you know, you talk about Kopech stabilizing it. Ryan Tapera was was the hammer uh, after the Sox offense got on the board, and we'll get to them in a second. But after they got on the board, you needed someone to come up there and throw up some zeros, and Ryan Tapera just did just that. He was awesome. Do you guys remember Ryan Tapera's first start as a <laughs> our first relief appearance as a White Sox? Didn't go as well, and you booed him. Yeah, you, you right now listening in the car, you booed this man who just saved the White Sox season. Ryan Tapera gives you two innings of nothing, no hits. And he strikes out three. That man is a champion out there. Tempura is our favorite. Tempura. There he is. Oh, Love my him. goodness gracious. Ryan's a pair of slider was just working. He was striking some people out with filth. Like, every time he comes in the game, tell me you don't, don't know that that inning is over because Ryan Tapera has got that stuff in under control. I feel so good. Like, Liam Hendricks is my number one guy out of the bullpen. But after that... If Tapera's in the game... I got you saying Tempura, like Ozzy. (laughs) If Tapera's in the game, I'm feeling 100% good about the game and that the White Sox are going to get out of that inning. Even if there's some dirty... uh, It's a dirty inning and there's some people on the bases. It's wild, man. Like I don't even think he was initially a part of the Cubs' plans this season. I believe they signed him to a contract in spring training, but the, the season that he's had has just been remarkable and... You know, you won't complain so much about Craig Kimbrell when you got Ryan Tapera up there throwing uh, two scoreless innings in a playoff game. Another guy who was flat out filthy uh, coming on and throwing an inning in two thirds, four strikeouts was, of course, Aaron Bummer. And a lot of the anti Aaron Bummer slander going on online before he came in the game. So, yeah. what's this? Aaron Bummer? Like, look, don't get it twisted, folks. Aaron Bummer. The other day, he, he gave up contact, yes, but that's what he's supposed to do. Soft contact. All those balls just happen to find holes, but he was able to miss some bats tonight, and that was huge. Um, it was, you know, I hope you put your uh, your kids to bed when he came in because it was pure triple X filth for our guy Aaron Bummer. AJ called the slide piece absolutely disgusting. Uh, an incredible job by Bummer. Yeah, and we were like, okay, come in for. 
Brantley, Bregman, and Alvarez. Just get those three guys out in the six. We'll be smooth with that. Then we rethought about it. It's like, okay, we have Tucker coming up second in the sixth inning or in the seventh inning. Let's go for Correa Tucker. I was like, Correa's going to be really tough, but he made sweet love to him, as you like to say, <laughs> Tanny, with that filthy, filthy slider. He did not know what to do with it. Like, these White Sox bullpen dudes. Remember when game one and game two, how the Astros could not be stopped in earlier in this game? I was like, man, this is a so far superior team. The White Sox bullpen made that team look like a triple A team today. They were just so filthy, and Aaron Bummer is part of that. 312-644-6767. That's 312-644-6767. We're going to get your phone calls here shortly. Well, uh, let's talk about this offense here. I know we've got some uh, some of our, our, our pals here uh, on hold that we're going to get to you, but uh, the offense here tonight, and just a remarkable job. This, this game, it, it was – not looking good early on, you know, after the Astros come out. The Sox come out in the first inning immediately. I loved their game plan against Garcia. They were absolutely just laying off of, of the breaking stuff and trying to just find a, a fastball in the zone they could handle. But they're just spitting on the, the breaking stuff from Garcia. And I thought that was a really good game plan. And then, you know, the, the Astros come back and the Sox only get one. But you feel good about that one considering how Dylan Cease looked in the top half of the first. And then the Astros come back. With, with three of their own, making it three to one. Astros score two more in the third, making it five to one. And this game was looking pretty bleak uh, at that time uh, until Yasmani Grandal, who is, played a huge role in tonight's game for a lot of reasons. We're going to get to the, the, the other reason here. But but his uh, his home run to, to kick things off in that third inning uh, was one of the biggest jolts this team could ever possibly need from your highest paid free agent in your team history. That was a huge spot for him to come through with that two-run shot. And it was patience, like Yasmani has done all year long. Before that, he had the, the patient at bat from Luis Robert, who's been awesome this postseason, and Timmy also has been. But patience right there. As we've seen with the Astros, when you walk a guy, they make you pay. And that's what the White Sox did. They were down 5-1. to one. People were ha- hanging their heads. People were like, man, this team's a failure. I'm getting texts. The White Sox didn't even get through to the fifth inning to make this crowd feel good. Like At that time, the third inning, it was dead at that ballpark. Dead. Not- 13 walks in the series, man. That really offends my baseball sensibilities. And there's no there's no doubt why the Astros had been out, you know, the, the White Sox have been outclassed so far to that point in the series. Because when you when you issue 13 free passes to a lineup like that, it's gonna hurt you, man. Especially this time of year. They've this team, the Astros, they've they've been through all the wars. They're battle tested. You you can't just issue the free pass like that and expect to get away with it. So that's why when those guys come in at the at the end of the game to stabilize things, to para and and bummer. That's you know just you need people to come in and throw strikes you know mm-hmm. and that's what they did but but Yasmani it was a huge moment right there for them and all of a sudden you know the the forty two thousand people who were wearing black and we thought maybe it was probably because of a funeral and I and I had my notes I had my whole page of notes here you know the the twenty twenty one post post mortem post mortem and we we're going to talk about the off season plan here thankfully I can rip that up at least for a day uh, but then Leary Garcia. Folks, I know there's a lot of hand-wringing when people see Leary Garcia in the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. You know, it, it's, I said it last last podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us were fans of Leary being out there in right field the other day, and then you, you see him back out there, and you're just like, man, we, we this this is what it is, you know? But, he, but Tony runs him back out there after he makes a, you know the huge a defensive blunder the other day, and he delivers tonight just one of the, the great moments of this game. And when we look back at it, it's really one of the – 
the more electrifying moments I think in, in the in the history of that ballpark, considering what it did for the team in, in that moment there, uh, coming back and hitting that three run shot. Just the the place was going crazy after that one, and it could not have happened to a better guy. It reminded me a lot of that walk off that Leary hit at the end of the season, and he, that that what a moment right there. If you were there, three one two six four four sixty seven sixty seven. Let us know what the, what the vibe was like there in the ballpark tonight. But that was a great moment for Leary. And I don't know which game it was. It was the Aaron Rowan sitting next to uh, Brian Anderson on a replay. And I think it was the Scott Pesednik walk-off home run. Now, not of that elk, but Aaron's just saying, no way, no way. That's what me, you, and uh, Sean Anderson were saying in this place. Like, is that ball getting deep? Gone? Baby! Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, not only that Lurie hit a home run there, but he murdered that ball. Yeah. Absolutely crushed. I think I, four six four thirty six. I thought it was I thought it was a, a fly out because the, the ball hadn't really been carrying uh, that much out there tonight. It seemed like it was dying out there near the warning track, and that was a no doubter. Maybe it's because we were watching on our TVs here, which we we don't have uh, high definition <laughs> capabilities. But it's, it's every single hit. We're like, is that a hit? And then we just had to listen to the crowd. Like, oh yeah, it's a hit. We couldn't see the ball go past the infield. It was weird. But yeah, we got a lot. How to, do we watch baseball back in the day? I don't know, man. Uh, we've got a lot to get into here tonight. We're going to take a quick timeout here. And uh, on the other side of a timeout, we're going to get to these phone calls. We've got a lot of people locked and loaded here. Some of our uh, dedicated listeners to our podcast and the uh, scoreheads are all lined up here. They want to talk about the Sox. It's the unofficial, official White Sox postseason postgame show with the Locked on White Sox crew. Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill back after a quick timeout on 670 The Score. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at DirecTV. Welcome aboard, DirecTV. Does this sound familiar to you guys out there? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff, right? Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally Get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Direct TV, get your TV together compatible device required content varies by package fastball slider curveball mostly Larry Garcia sends one to deep center postseason home run for Leury Garcia, the longest tenured member on this roster, has just put the White Sox back in front after five unanswered by Houston. Chicago has five here in the bottom of the third. We're back with more of the official, unofficial White Sox postgame show with Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill of the Locked On White Sox podcast on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. It's the midnight hour, Herbie. Herb Lawrence, Chris Tannehill, locked on White Sox post game show. And you hear that Leary Garcia highlight there, courtesy of Fox Sports One. And there's still a little meat left on that bone there. Uh, Dusty Baker pulling Luis Garcia for, yeah, me, 
Nate Garcia to to face Leury Garcia with Willie Garcia and Avisail Garcia probably at home watching. <laughs> you got to tell me what you know. Put your your baseball pants on, your managerial pants if if you're you know pretending to be Dusty Baker here. He pulls him in a two zero count, mm-hmm. and only to to bring in Yimmy who comes in there and issues the bomb there. I to me that's that's pretty that that is an unjustifiable move I think uh, by a manager to pull someone in the middle of a of a count there especially a, a guy in Luis Garcia who had not looked terrible it looked like clearly he was starting to give a little bit but you know for, for to give one of your starting pitchers an opportunity to not finish an at bat like that to me that was pretty egregious and you know you saw what happened there uh, with the volatility in that spot and then he gives up the bomb to Liuri but. Uh, what, what was Dusty thinking there? That was a huge moment of the game and could be a turning point in the series. I actually don't mind Dusty taking Garcia, um, Luis, yes, Garcia There's out. A lot of Garcias in the mix here, yeah, just like a lot of Jasons, <laughs> yeah. um, out at that time. Because remember, he had given up the home run to Yasmani earlier in the in the inning with a Robert home run bef- or a walk before that. Then Mancada got a hit, Gavin Sheets got a hit, and so you're like. You know, you're already on thin ice. I would have taken him out after the Gavin Sheets at bat, but I saw it earlier this year, Tony taking a guy out in the middle of a, a count, which was very odd. It was probably the first time I'd seen it. And when I saw it this time, I was like, is Luis Garcia hurt? This is weird to take him out. Maybe he told him or the pitching coach told him, like, you have only a couple pitches to prove that you're ready for Luis Garcia. If you don't, I'm going to take you out. And so... I was surprised they take, took him out. They had that guy who came in later in the game. Uh, I forgot his name for now. Let's see. That was filthy. Javier. Yeah, Christian, Christian Javier. Javier. He was he filthy. Was, he was warming up at the same time Yimmy was warming up, and they decided to go to Yimmy. Yimmy's not good. <laughs> I mean, we saw him the other day. Wasn't that great. I don't know why he went to Yimmy. I would have went to Javier in that in that guard because I saw his stuff after the game. I was like, okay, that's a premium guy out of the bullpen. He struck out six White Sox when he came into the game, but too little too late. But thank you, Dusty. I'll take it. Yeah, to the, the two uh, 70-plus-year-old managers really outdoing their, themselves here in this series. And, I, and you, thankfully, you won't see uh, Javier tomorrow, most likely. Uh, they've got a good good one going for them, I think. I'm just speculating here that it's going to be uh, Irkiti tomorrow. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute here. But, so let, let's get to the phone lines here. 312-644-6767. We've got Tom out in Arlington Heights. What's going on, Tom? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm just, uh, just got to know your uh, podcast. I'm locked on stocks. I love it. So it's great to hear you guys every morning. And I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Tom. Um, hey, it's, Oh, you're most welcome. Yeah, but I uh, just wanted to say I, I was really worried about this man when they went down, you know, and early, and I was like, oh, brother, man, you know, five to one. But, boy, they brought out the whooping sticks, man. And that extra base hit, I just was like, finally, seriously, you know, finally a home run, you know, by Yasmani Grandal. And it looked like it was going to barely clear. And I thought, with this sucks bad with luck, it's not going to clear. And I just wasn't sure what was going to happen there. But I don't know, guys, um, what do you think about, you know, realistically, I mean, you know, after an emotional win, it's like, you know, you can think, okay, we can take the series, but man, dude, I mean, you got to take it one game at a time, but um, how do you feel about tomorrow with uh, Rodon and who's going to back him up? Cause I don't know if he can go, how far he can go. Thanks for the call, Tom. Um, tomorrow I feel decent about Rodon. I feel that he's going to give us five innings. I don't know when that five innings is what he's going to give up, but it's got to be less than three runs right there. Then Tanny and I have worked it out. Raylo. Raylo is the next guy you go to because they've pitched 
to para. They've pitched Kopech. Probably Kopech's not available to para. Pitched two innings. Probably not available for himself either. So you need length on top of length. And then get you to Kimbrell, if you want. Or Hendricks, who only pitched, uh, what, 10 pitches today? So he's probably fine. Yeah, hopefully this is uh, one of the things that we're talking about. Four pitches for Kimbrell. He's really good. Yeah, Kimbrell will be good to go tomorrow. And I would think, you know, Hendricks with a pretty quick inning there in the ninth, even though he had gotten hot, uh, you know, for for a while there. They were up uh, in the eighth inning early. So, you know, basically – Pretty high leverage spot there for him and him being hot for a while, meaning he was up and warming. You know, But he's going to be available tomorrow. Make no question about it. The question is, how do you bridge those guys? How do you get from Carlos Rodon to Liam Hendricks if you're lucky enough to have a lead? You know, Rodon's going to have to go out there and battle. And he says he feels good, and I, I don't think he's capable of getting it up there 99-100 like we've seen throughout the, the season unless he's going to run off pure adrenaline, and I know that's going to be a huge part of it. But he's going to have to eat some innings. He's going to have to have the pinpoint control like we saw during that last start against the Reds. That's going to be factor one because, as you've seen, if you hit your spots, even against a good lineup, I don't care who you're facing, if you hit your spots and command the strike zone and don't issue the intentional the, the free pass, you're going to be okay for the most part. So if we need Rodon to go five innings later on today, that, that's going to be big. And I think you're going to need a little bit of length from Garrett Crochet, who did not pitch tonight. But this is a kid who – had been a starter in college, and I know they they didn't quite ramp him up for multiple inning usage this season, like I think Rick Hahn and the front office had intended. But it's not necessarily a bad thing because you look at this kid coming off of uh, pitching in college for only a start or two, and then COVID shutting everything down, and then him getting thrust into a playoff race in 2020. So it, it's really you got to be careful with this kid. So I don't think you know the fact that he's hasn't been stretched out is, is a bad thing, but they're going to need him to, to give him some length tomorrow. I think a clean inning, ideally, first and foremost. And it is official. Dusty Baker tells the uh, assembled audience that. Etiquiti will start game four tomorrow. Right. I just like saying his name, and even you, I say it incorrectly. Yeah, so you, you may remember Jose Urquidy. He pitched against the Sox down in Houston. Now, granted, uh, this was June 17th, and the Sox were not playing good baseball at that time. We, we know this. Uh, Eloy not there, Luis Robert not there. And on top of all that, they weren't playing good baseball. You know, Yermin was at the end of his little era there, not looking great. And, you know, you had Mendick and Goodwin and Engel all in the lineup there. Um, and Urquidy, uh, he did a good job against the White Sox. And he's a good pitcher. He went seven innings that day, giving up uh, four hits and only two runs. They were both earned, striking out five in seven innings pitched. And if you look at his game log here, the, the last seven games, he's 2-0 and with a 4-3-5 uh, ERA, so that's that's over seven starts, and he had some injury issues. But if you look at his last start against Oakland uh, a week ago yesterday, he went six innings, giving up just three earned runs and, and only one walk with three strikeouts. So this is a guy that's going to be uh, around the plate, and hopefully the Sox, after seeing him, granted some guys had not seen him yet, so that this will be a mystery here for some of these guys in the lineup. But th- he's a tough customer. So the Sox offense is going to have to have a game plan like they did last night, and they're going to have to come out ready to play, and they're going to have to put some runs on the board early, I think, and put the pressure on the Astros, and Rodon's going to have to take the ball and uh, eat up some innings there. But but beyond that, you're going to have to probably piggyback Rodon with Raylo, give you hopefully two innings maybe. So if Rodon goes five, maybe one inning is all you need from Raylo, right? If, if you yeah. get five from Rodon, then that's, you're, you're, you're playing with house money at that point. And I don't think you're going to find a man in that bullpen who's going to say, you know what, I can't go today because you're going to have the, the day off for travel, I believe, yes. in between games four and five. So you're, you're going to have some guys there. You know, 
Bummer didn't pitch the full two innings, so he'll probably be good to go. And Liam Hendricks, you could always use. I, I don't know if you'd have him use multiple innings because you had him pitch last night, but I, he's not going to say no. This is why you acquired Liam Hendricks is to, to go multiple innings like that. I so. think the only player that is not available tomorrow would be, or later on today, Kopech. is Lucas Giolito. Not available. Okay. The only player. Lucas Giolito, 2018. Worst pitcher in baseball. Yeah, so you know they've got some problems, but ultimately, you're happy they're in this spot. You'll, you'll take it, considering where we were 24 hours ago. So let's get back out to the phone lines here. Three one two six four four sixty seven sixty seven. It's the Lockdown White Sox unofficial official post game show. Let's go out to Dylan leaving the G rate. Is hope it's not cease. What's up, Dylan? How you yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not Dylan cease. I can tell you that. Um, but I've been to enough games where he's pitched where I feel like we're attached at the hip at this point. <laughs> um, no, I was leaving the game. Felt good. I was really excited. Ten different guys in the lineup all got hits. That's really great to see. Um, Absolutely. It's right right behind the guy with the cane. Got to touch it. That was special. <laughs> oh, you got, to, you got to touch the cane? I did get to touch the cane. Is it a cane or is it a cane or a shillelagh? <laughs> it was a cane. Okay. <laughs> so what was, what was, That's what was, a great question. What was the vibe out there like? You know, it, it seemed like electric atmosphere. Oh, it was. It, was. And it, it really, when it got down to really when it was 5-1, it put so much energy into it, and then they came back. And really, it felt like the game was going on forever. And you look, it's still the fourth inning. Yeah, you're telling and, us. And so Dylan, can really, I really, like, once – Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. No, go ahead, Dylan. I was just going to wonder, like, no, were you at say, the— Once they kind of took the lead, it just really just got a consistent, like, every single pitch. Everyone was telling everyone else to get on their feet. It's three balls, get on your feet. Two strikes, get on your feet. It was it was great to be at, and I was really happy to be a part of it. For, And I'll probably not be able to talk at work tomorrow. Have you ever been at a White Sox game with that much energy? The closest thing I can compare it to was I was at the game against Tampa where Yaz hit the the walk-off single to go to the best record in baseball. But, again, that was only 25,000 people. It wasn't full capacity. But it did – that was probably the most energetic game I've been at besides this. Thanks for your call, Dylan. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a lot different when you're dealing with the callers and they're not just a voicemail that I click on my computer and you can sort of interject and, and pause and play, you know, in the middle of their thoughts. I saw that we had Mark, for, Mark from Litchfield Park earlier. I don't know if he's back. No, Man, I'm yet. so sad. I'll, all the time when he calls in, I like to interject between his uh, thoughts because they're usually swears. I yeah. got to say things to Tegna. And yeah. I haven't swore once yet. Yeah, we're it's we'll er, it's early here. Also, I think we're in safe harbor here. Oh, by the way, uh, first text we got on the show tonight, where's less? These jokers don't know what they're doing. Can yeah. you guys talk about the Bears? Yeah, well, we did. Justin Fields did a good thing. The Bears won. But Les will be on shortly here. I think we're going to go about half hour longer or so, but Les has been gracious enough to bless us with his uh, you know, airspace here, and we're very thankful for that. But it just it was weird. Like, the Sunday night football game, we were supposed to come on right after that or whenever the Sox game ended, whichever occurred first, and they actually ended up ending around the same time. 
but that's because there was a lightning delay in the Kansas City Buffalo game where it's like you talk about it was the first time us doing a real show on air together and of course uh, an act of God uh, had to interject and make that game go long Martin St. Louis a, 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 weird, a weird night uh, in, in the NFL but less will be on shortly so we thank everyone for bearing with us and you know you you're, you're you got the right station. Don't worry. It's Chris Tannehill, Herb Lawrence, locked on White Sox on 6-7 the score. Uh, should we get out to another phone call here? Jim's been holding a while. Hey, Jim. What's going on, Jim? How are you doing tonight? Hi, guys. Yeah, you can take the computer, throw it in the Chicago River, the game plan, throw that in the Chicago River, the two, ga- two games in Texas, you can burn the films there. Can if I throw in the Cal Sag? Yeah, yeah, throw, yeah, throw either one. You name it. The first body of water from, uh, from Sachs Park. But if, if the Sacks can grab two more, they got to be the sports story of the. I, I, I go to the 21st century. They could beat these Astros two more games. They'll be the talk of the town and the talk of the United States. You guys have a good evening. Thank you, my Thank man. Jim, appreciate you. Yeah, that's a 21st century. Just the Sox advancing to the ALCS. I mean, I'm not so sure about that, but I like the enthousi- enthusiasm uh, from Jim. That, that's boy, this really is a White Sox post game show. This is this is the energy that I wanted here tonight. I mean, maybe Jim was. What's the vibe in Chicago right now, Coach? You live there. The, the vibe, vibe in Chicago is go White Sox. Sox. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> maybe Jim was listening earlier with uh, Randy Moss and his uh, diatribe on uh, John Gruden. Throughout, he said, "We're going into the 21st century." I'm like. <laughs> We've been in the 21st century for 20 plus years now. Come on, let's go. But Jim, I'll you know I'll give you a, a hint. We went to the ALCS one other time in the 21st century. Yeah, and uh, you know there's some other things that happened again that happened in sports in the 21st century that are pretty big stories. But hey. It'd be big for us if the Sox are, are, are uh, good enough to advance here. Uh, got a long way to go still until we're talking about that and doing that. My show. man, Jim. A- exactly. Excitement. And, and as for tomorrow, I don't think we'll be on doing post because we have another football conflict. But uh, as always, stay tuned to six seven the score for more information and who's going to come on after Parkinson Spiegel show tomorrow. Hopefully, they get that one in. I don't know what the weather's supposed to look like. Uh, Two thirty seven first pitch on the south side here uh, with Rodon going. And, you know, the, the, we had a caller mention just the, the, the balanced attack from the lineup tonight. Obviously, you get the big blast from the unlikely source in Liuri. You get Grandal uh, with with a, a big night with the home run. But, you know, you don't always have to fill up the stat sheet to have a big moment in this game. And stop me if you've heard this one here before, folks. Uh, in the fourth inning, uh, stop me if you heard this. A controversial call in a White Sox postseason game uh, leads to a big inning from the Sox. Uh, this heads-up base running play by Grandal, a rule that I wasn't even sure existed, but that that fielder's choice, Grandal hits a, a ground ball to Gurriel at first. He establishes a very generous inside baseline. Uh, Gurriel's throw ricochets off Grandal's shoulder, caroms away. Roberts scores. He takes out Tom Halling in the process to make it 8-6. to six, A huge moment in the game. Uh, at that point, that was, that was really all the insurance you needed at that point. Uh, but it was ruled a fielder's choice, but it was as big as any moment in the game. And what a weird moment there with Dusty right there in the center of it trying to get an ex- explanation. I thought for sure, I was like, oh, this is going to go against the White Sox mm-hmm. somehow, some way. Yeah, me too. I was like, okay, they're going to call ground doll out, send the runners back to first and third. The White Sox still have a lead, but it's not as good as we had it. And when they read the rules, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I mean, when you are at first base, you can get in the path of the throw to second base. Usually you try to get on the inside track so the throw is a little harder for the first baseman to make that throw to second for the uh, 3-6-3 double play. 
But Grandal established his path after he hit the ball and stayed on that course. If you're over there trying to jump yourself into the path of the ball, that's where you get into trouble. But they explained it right on the broadcast. And I looked on my Twitter. Weirdly enough, AJ and Adam Amin were doing the game. They had it at Adam Wainwright. No complaints. Weirdly enough, no complaints about anti-White Sox propaganda on the Fox broadcast. <laughs> when the team wins, yeah, it's a very, lot. It's very, a lot very weird. How, hmm. I liked Adam Wainwright in that booth. What would you think about that? Really that, solid. Yeah, he was like, you know, someone told him, oh, make it conversational. So, you know, Adam Wainwright was throwing out topics. And he's like, hey, what's the best food item here? Like in the middle of a postseason game with high leverage moments. Like, hey, what should I go eat? And then, you know, we were talking about, you know, they mentioned the helmet Sunday, the helmet nachos. And then I saw Ranji on Twitter saying it'll magically appear very soon. And it did. I mean, Brooks Boy is good at his job. Yeah, absolutely. So I think they did a really good job. Amin is, is always solid, and I think that the, the three-man booth element actually worked. And it's very hard for that to work, but Wainwright was very comfortable, and it's always fun to hear a guy who's a current pitcher in baseball comment on guys that he still has to face uh, pretty much every day in one way or another. So I think that, that was pretty cool to get him out there, but he seemed very comfortable. You know our guy Chris Gamko? Yes. He used to intern. Like, Did he intern under you? Um, I mean, I was barely here at all when he was here, but yes, technically. Chris Kamka. Of I'll just go ahead and put him on my tree. NBC Sports <laughs> Chicago, uh, Twitter, uh, Trivia Mavens, White Sox tri- Trivia Maven. This is the second time in White Sox postseason history that all nine starters have had a hit. The other, Tanny, 2005 World Series Game 2, the last time they played the Astros at home in a postseason. Dude, Luis Robert continuing to crush this postseason. Between him and T.A., they're going to be fighting over who has the White Sox you know, the most postseason hit records for the for the Sox between T.A. gets three hits tonight and six A.B.s. Luis Robert with one more hit tonight. Not a you know, great night, but he's still hitting 500 in the postseason here. The, these guys at the top of the order, and I'm glad Tony put Robert in the two hole and he, and he left him there after I think what was a misstep miscalculation in game one, not having him there. But Luis Robert has just been absolutely awesome this postseason. And you see T.A. as well. Uh, you know, getting this thing started here in the in the first inning, and just uh, all throughout getting three hits tonight. Uh, a great job by pretty much everyone in the lineup. But Luis Robert, I just want to give him uh, his flowers here, just for having an outstanding postseason so far. And we're watching it in front of our very eyes here. Luis Robert blossom into one of the best players in all of baseball. And when you can do that, and you can do it on a postseason stage, that's how you get national recognition like I see some textures weighing in here you know why are the Sox playing another day game tomorrow these producers from TV should be bum of the week that's just from Plainfield <laughs> mentioning that it's you know but about that they know Chicago's a huge market they know they're going to do numbers I think that's why you have that but but Luis Robert just being awesome this postseason it's what we all dreamed of as Sox fans when they signed this kid a few years ago a guy who can impact the game in so many different ways but it's really amazing to me how he's kept it up since coming off the IL and he just he hasn't missed a beat and pitchers have not yet found a way to combat what he's doing and he's just locked in man and it's really awesome to see it is and you said all that I would say right there so I'm gonna give credit to Tim Anderson he has played six postseason games in his career Five of those games, he's got three hits in them. Five three-hit games in the damn postseason. Amazing. Just amazing. Tim Anderson, we say it's the straw. He is the straw that stirs the drink. And for him not to wilt under the pressure of postseason baseball, these Astros pitchers are tough. Tough as hell. 
And Tim is like, I don't care. I'm Tim Anderson. I'm doing the thing. The 16 hits he has is the most to start a career in the postseason. The most ever. He needs his flowers too. Tim Anderson is an unsung, unheralded. Even though we talk about him a lot, he should get talked about a lot more. Tim Anderson is needed in baseball, and I love the fact that he has come from where he did, where he started playing baseball as a junior in high school after basketball injuries, and now he's a superstar, a superstar. Some more people checking in on the Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin Tech Zone. Uh, one from the 847, start talking hockey. <laughs> um, second one, go Bears. Uh, from the 773, the obligatory, what about Danks text. Thank you very much for that. Uh, and uh, John Danks once bought me drinks for a whole night. I was hanging out with Chris Ranji. Wow, pick those names up you're dropping over there. Those great times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. We've got an email coming in here, uh, lockedonsocks at gmail.com. It's another way you can get a hold of the show. Um, buy or sell, Gavin Sheets with more potential than Andrew Vaughn going forward here. Now, Gavin Sheets did uh, not look great. He did. Uh, he was able to have a hit. He got himself a base knock here in this one, but... Andrew Vaughn coming up off the bench late in this game, that was big for me. Him to come in late and to add a little more insurance there, and he had been struggling. You know, I said on the last show we did that he looks lost uh, when we last saw him, but to, to come in and get an RBI there late in the game, I think that was huge. And either way, no matter how you look at it, the future I think for both of these kids is, is pretty bright. But Herba, which which one did you have to? If you had to pick one of the two, who has more potential in your eyes, Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn? Andrew Vaughn. Um just because he hasn't played as much baseball. Like, think about Gavin Sheets was drafted, and he's played in the minors for a long time. Andrew Vaughn played single A in 2019. Not in 2018, where Lucas Giolito was the worst pitcher in baseball. He was? Did he have something? He, he had something that the stats didn't show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. That's what um, I thought. But Andrew Vaughn, single A in 2019, pretty much at Schaumburg in 2020. And now this year is his rookie year. He started off like a excellent, great left field playing. Like he played much better in left field than I ex- even expected. And as any rookie, he hits the wall. People adjust to him. He doesn't hit righties as well. But when you put a lefty out there, that man is still mashing. So I would, if we're choosing between the two, I don't know why we need to. Andrew Vaughn is my guy there. And his hit right there in the ninth, it was two outs. And it was still a 9-6 to six game by the White Sox. It gave a little breathing room. If you wanted to get Craig Kimbrough back out there after the inning got up to, what, 12-6, to six, it was way too late. Kimbrough had already been resting way too long. So I understood why they brought out uh, Liam Hendricks for the ninth. But it gave you the chance to just relax. Oh, okay, this is not going to be a tough save. It's not going to be a, a tough ninth inning. You're going to be cruising through, and you saw the 10 pitches you got from Liam Hendricks. So, so that hit itself gave you the breathing room and a solid bet. I'm sure he's going to be very happy with himself. His confidence going sky high when he faces the next lefty uh, the White Sox face. Uh, and they only have one lefty coming out of the bullpen, which is weird as hell. Yeah, that Bad is, management. That is a bit strange. Um, we know that Astros' bullpen is their probably their lone vulnerability there, and we saw it, and we saw their best guy out there who's probably not going to be able to get a chance to get out there again tomorrow, and that's, of course, Javier. But let's let's take it back to the Kimbrel decision to have him close out uh, the the lone batter there, his, the final out of the eighth inning. You were not in favor of that, and, and I'll, I'll just preface it by saying this. I think if there was any 
a time where you could put Craig Kimbrell in the ball game to have a soft landing, I think that spot right there in the game uh, was the perfect opportunity to do so. Because look, you've got hopefully two more games left in this series. Your roster is what your roster is. You're going to have to rely on everyone that's on it. And I, I think that was a good job by Tony LaRussa. That's right. I said it. A good job by Tony LaRussa. You know, people think that, that we do nothing but criticize the man, but when he does a good thing, I will point it out. Uh, but what did you make of that move by by Coach Tony, as he's affectionately referred to uh, as on our show? What did you think about that move to to bring Kimberly in? I know you were not huge on it at the time. I first guessed it. I said that they're going to have Bummer start the first two, and if he gets those two guys out, they're going to see Craig Kimbrell going against, uh, I call him Guile, but Yuri Gurriel, because yes. he looks like the player Gurriel. from um, Street Fire with the hair. Um, Blanca? And- yeah, oh, Blanca. I thought it was uh, Skyle. The, the, oh, the, Guile, yeah. The Guile's Sonic the, Boom. Yeah. I mean, Blanca, oh, okay. too. Yeah, Either right. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I was like, I don't like the move. I wouldn't have done it because it's a lot of risk. You only have a three-run lead there. You got to go three batters. So if you don't get Gurriel out, you got to go with versus Myers. And then it's probably Maldonado or they're going to pinch hit like they did with Jason Castro. So you got to go that whole way. If you struggle, if Craig Kimball comes in walking people, then you bring in Liam Hendricks with the bases full and Jose Altuve representing the go-ahead run. That's why I didn't like it. But I said in the tweet, I see why Tony's doing it. It's a high-risk, high-reward move. You get the Godiel out. You get Craig Kimbrough some confidence of, hey, man, I can do this. I'm Craig Kimbrough. I can do this. I am a champion. I'm going to the Hall of Fame. Instead of the guy who's like, oh, you know, the guy who showed up the other day giving up rocket shots to Correa and giving up rocket opposite field home runs to Tucker. That guy is a sad sack. The guy who showed up today was, I'm in charge of things. I'm Craig Kimbrell. And Tony gets credit for making those moves because I'm looking at his long-term plan of saying, Having Craig Kimbrell being dirty Craig is worth it, this move right here. Just one batter, which he expects him to get out, and then it moves forward. Like tomorrow, he's feeling a little bit better about himself, and maybe you feel a little bit better as a fan. You're like, okay, he did his job yesterday, and they're just trying to build him back up. And that's kind of what the Cubs did in 2020 with Craig Kimbrell. He wasn't good in 2019. They're like, Little by little, we're going to get you little bits of work and take you out right when we think you're getting in trouble. And you see what happened in 2021. He was the best pitcher coming out of the bullpen for the Cubs. He was like a .49. So maybe building up his confidence again will get you Dirty Craig. And by time, if you need it, if the White Sox get there, he's pitching well in the ALCS. And then you got that bullpen that you envisioned, the bullpen that showed up today. I'm Chris Tannehill. That's my partner, Herb Lawrence. We are the Locked on White Sox podcast. It's the official, unofficial White Sox postseason postgame show. We're going to take a quick timeout, and we come back. We're going to wrap things up, and we'll preview big game later on today, just hours away here on the south side. Carlos Rodon taking the bump. We're going to talk about that matchup. If you're heading down to the game on the south side, we'll talk about that next here on the Locked on White Sox unofficial official postgame show on 670 The Score. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar 
ever. Don't you love freedom of choice? That's what we love about this country, right? Well, it's no different at BuiltBar.com. They have so many different delicious flavors for you to try. There's something for everyone. Every Built Bar fan that I know, they've got their different favorite flavors. I have mine. Herb has his. Mine, of course, German chocolate. Thankfully, I still have a surplus here from the last time I ordered them. I'm down about 25 pounds now. Thanks to our friends at Built Bar, I've been replacing a lot of those bad sugary snacks with Built Bars, and it's made all the difference. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, and of course, German Chocolate. So if you haven't tried all these great flavors, great way to get introduced to something new is mix it in. Get a mixed box of Built Bars. That way you can try something new along with the flavors that you already love. So when you get the mixed box, you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And best of all, they're not only delicious, they're also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein in each bar, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and just 4 to 5 grams of net carbs per Built Bar. All delicious, all good for you. Order today, Built Bar, the official protein bar of U.S. track and field. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCK15, and that's going to get you 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Going to put the spell on Alvarez. Another 3-2. He's stuck it out. We're back with more of the official, unofficial White Sox postgame show with Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill of the Locked On White Sox podcast on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. That's right. Thank you very much, Russ Matera. Our producer, Sean Anderson, in the house. Cesar Perez uh, was here with us as well. I am Chris Tannehill. This is Herb Lawrence, my partner here to the side of me. We're here for another few minutes before Les Grobstein takes over. I'm sure he's going to have plenty of White Sox thoughts as well. So if you're on hold, if you got a call for Les at 312-644-6767, I'm sure Les will take your call on the White Sox or the Bears with a huge victory out in Las Vegas today. My guys, Parkins and Spiegel, will be back along with Shane Redirden. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> uh, they're coming straight from the airport to the score studios in downtown Chicago. Actually, I think Shane's going to bypass the the show. I think he's going to go to the game with his dad tomorrow. But uh, yeah. Uh, also, before we get started, uh, big shout-outs to the Chicago Sky getting their first victory in Game 1 of the WNBA Finals versus the Phoenix Mercury. Let's go, Sky. Absolutely. The vibe in Chicago is go, Sky. Um, Sean Anderson has a great stat. We talked about the the walking stick voodoo hex guy who was in the stands. You've seen him, but they bumped back practically from every commercial break on Fox Sports 1 with highlights of, of the the. 70-ish year old man, of hope, hopefully he's around that age range, he won't be offended, but he, he had his his walking stick, and he was putting, you know, I remember the the old baseball blooper tape, baseball funny side up, you know, using, uh, I've got a spell on you, you know, and he was trying to put a, a curse on the Astros, and our producer, our crack producer, John Anderson, has some stats on how things unfolded after Voodoo, what are we calling him? Kane Hex. Kane Hex man. Yes, so uh, Sox pitching before Kane Hex, and this is from at Chicago guy 23. Uh, Before the Kane Hex, three and two thirds, six hits, four walks, six runs, six Ks. After the Kane Hex, and that was with the Alvarez strikeout that we came back with, uh, five and one third, no hits, no walks, no runs, 10 Ks. Pretty good. Unreal. I mean, if if you have an extra ticket for tomorrow's game, we've got a... 
make sure Kane Hexman. Mobbed. I mean, I'm sure he was sitting in the front row. He's got <laughs> yeah, tickets. Yeah, so he'll he'll be in the house. I would think. Um, he's got to get some rest. It's a late night for for a lot of us, but got he's he's gonna you know if the Sox make a deep run here, he's gonna be throwing out the first pitch. I think uh, this guy, you know, uh, uh, cult hero status already here uh, early on in the ALDS here. But and watch it just be a joke. He'll he'll Willy Wonka. It. He'll he'll roll up to the uh, the pitching mound too to throw out the first pitch. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you wanna do you wanna have another guy another reason to love your man Tambura? Why? I mean, I don't. I can't possibly have another reason why I love Ryan Tempura anymore. Than, thank you. <laughs> than I already do. Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle Chandler Rome with this tweet: White Sox reliever Ryan Tempura on the Astros. They've had a reputation of doing some sketchy stuff over there. We can say it. Say it's a little bit of difference. I think you saw the swings and misses tonight compared to the first two games at Minute made. Well, if you remember, our guy Gordon Beckham, after that series at Minute Maid, remember after Alvarez walked them off, he said it makes you wonder. And he kind of walked it back later on saying that he didn't mean that they were cheating or whatever, but... I mean, for for a pitcher in the current series to not, you know, it's no accusation, but basically saying it's a different thing going on there. You know, we credit them as being a, a great contact team, you know, uh, but I that that's that'd be quite the revelation, wouldn't it, in the middle of a postseason series if you find out that all of a sudden, oh, maybe they think the ne- whatever the next wave of thing is. And I don't want to say just because the White Sox were down in the series, that means they had to have been cheating. That's ridiculous because when you talk about all the walks that the White Sox pitchers have issued this series, that's a huge part of it. But if for him to say that, that's, that's pretty strong stuff right there. Real spicy. Hey, man. Hey, I like it. I mean, I remember the last time somebody was talking smack about the Astros before he played them. And you know who that guy is, Chris Tannehill. I do. I've got some numbers here. That would be Carlos Rodon. And will this be the last time we see Carlos Rodon pitch in a White Sox uniform? Uh, That is going to be up to Carlos Rodon, I believe, because he is the sole controller here of the White Sox uh, fates the rest of this series, I think, with what he's going to come out and hopefully do later on today. I've got some numbers here. And his two starts, June and July 18th, 2021. Check out some of these numbers. Rodon, remember that that great start on the road in Houston, and then they came back uh, on the south side in July. Altuve, this is against Rodon and White Sox pitching. Altuve, 0 for 8 with 4 Ks. McCormick, 0 for 4 2 Ks. Tucker, 0 for 3. Brantley, 0 for 7 with a K. Gudiel, 1 for 7 with 3 Ks. Alvarez, 2 for 6 with 3 Ks. Correa, 0 for 5 with a walk and 3Ks. Now, I know it's not the same Carlos Rodon, or maybe it will be. Maybe the adrenaline will, will carry him through. I don't expect to see that Carlos Rodon show up, but if he does, I think this thing is going 5 here. And as I said, the Sox will be going up against Irkiti. It's a tough customer there. But what is a reasonable expectation for Carlos Rodon, or is this a total unknown here later on today? I think a reasonable, like if you're thinking about Carlos Rodon and his last starts that he's uh, thrown for the White Sox, he's had, what, 12 days off since his last time. It wasn't awe-inspiring, even though it was, what, three innings and he gave up nothing or one run. That's about where I'm thinking he's going to end up, three to four innings where he's given up one or two. I want him to go five, but that's very unrealistic. Yeah, he has the Astros number this year, and that's awesome to see. But that was also Carlos Rodon throwing 100, topping out at 100, sitting 97. I don't know if that guy's going to show up. If he does, 
by Astros, he might go nine. Well, here's the thing. That guy doesn't even necessarily have to show up because you talk about the postseason and variance. You know, the Astros are expecting a certain guy out there. They they may watch the tape and they may have seen that start against the Reds and they may know, okay, he's clearly different. But until you see it or not see the ball coming out of his hand, it may be a different story. It may take them an inning or two to get used to, okay, this is not the same guy. We have to change our approach. You know, um, I think that could carry them through for a game here. And if you can bullpen it the rest of the way, you know, who knows what what is going to come out of the rest of this game here. But I think there is some value in the variance here and a bit uh, of the unknown coming into effect later on today. But, uh, man, that went fast. We're already up out of here, Herb. Uh, Had a great time with you. Had a great time with our listeners, our callers, our texters. We had someone call in and text and say, real talk, some guy named Austin buys Ranji's drinks. That's from the 773. It's very inside, but we appreciate it nonetheless. But I had a blast. What a game tonight here. And uh, if you guys are going out to the game later on this afternoon, I hope you guys have a blast out there. Hopefully you guys bring home a White Sox winner and we force a game five down in Houston and all hands on deck, winner go home where the pressure is on the home team, I believe. But we got to get out of here. I'm Chris Tanhill. It's my partner, Herb Lawrence. Uh, that's all I got. I don't know when we're going to be on this mic again, Chris. I know. So I we, I, <laughs> I, I hope we uh, we, we uh, lived up to the to the hype. Yeah. And I and I certainly uh, I know we, we got everything we wanted to out of this show. And we got to cover a White Sox winner. So that was good. So that is Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwild23. Our show is on Locked on Sox Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Caesar. Robbers next. Bye. S- subscribe to the show, Locked on Socks. Do it now. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath.